0: Hello, everyone. We're continuing our study in Luke. We're in Luke 4, verses 1 through 2. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. Jesus, notice there, being led by the Spirit, went to the desert. Again, highlight that. The Spirit is the one that led him. The Holy Spirit is the one that orchestrated this to happen. Jesus willingly went to the desert to be tempted by the devil for 40 days. And basically the passage is telling us that he was tempted for the whole 40 days. We only see three temptations out of the whole thing. Um, But he was tempted for the whole time. And that tells us that sometimes God will lead us into hard times. Uh, sometimes it's to make us stronger. Sometimes it's to to get us to look to Him. Sometimes it's to empathize with other people. There's plenty of reasons why God brings hard times. And we'll get to those when we do our study and counseling and when we talk about sin in particular. Um, but Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. And 40 days is not just a random amount of time. Uh, we see this number in Genesis 7, 4, Exodus 24, 18, 1 Kings nineteen eight, Jonah 3, 4. It, it mimicked Israel. Jesus ate nothing during these days. And so being fully human, he was hungry. Uh, why was Jesus tempted? This is kind of important to kind of have at the forefront. Um, it exposed the tactics of the enemies to us as a really good reason. Um, it showed us how we can defeat him. Um, it also gave Jesus the experience of temptation, so that he could be our sympathetic high priest, which mentioned, which is mentioned in Hebrews two sixteen to eighteen, and four fourteen to sixteen. Um, he can relate to us in our temptations and pain uh, because he went through the same thing. Adam was tempted and failed, but Jesus was tempted and succeeded
1: yeah that's really encouraging so let's see what happens next verses three and four and the devil said to him if you are the son of god tell this stone to become bread and jesus answered him it is written the man shall not live on bread alone so this is the first of three of the temptations satan went to jesus with It was based on a physical need this time jesus was very hungry so satan attacked there satan knew that jesus was the son of god so he addressed and acknowledges him as such satan also told jesus to convert a stone to bread and he could do it he was god after all satan was tempting jesus to use his deity for his own selfish purposes instead of for the glory of god Jesus countered the temptation by quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, where Moses reminded the Israelites of the manna they were receiving. The people had to trust God for their daily sustenance. Jesus knew he would not die in the wilderness and God would supply food in his time.
0: Verses five through eight. And he led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain and its glory, for it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. This temptation is actually listed differently in Matthew's account. We don't know why Luke switched the order, perhaps because of his emphasis Um, was primarily on Jerusalem, Uh, we just know he changed it. Uh, He did not claim to place them in chronological order, though Matthew indicates that he did by using the word then in his gospel. Uh, This temptation, then this temptation, etc. It is possible that Luke had the order of 1 John 2.16 in mind, uh, being lust of the flesh, which is stones to bread, lust of the eyes, all the world's kingdom and its glories, and the pride of life, which is to jump off a of pinnacle, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, Satan showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world and told him that he could give them to Jesus. He could have all those kingdoms, the prestige, the glory, and dominion if he would worship Satan. Satan wants worship more than anything else. Uh, and we see this, when we see him as his character and when we see him in the Bible, uh, Satan tempted Jesus with the now. If he would bow he would not have to save humanity by dying. Satan offered him instant gratification. God had already promised all the kingdoms to the Son, and we see that in Psalm 2, seven through eight, but it would have to come through suffering. Suffering would come first and then would come glory. The Christian life is the same. We suffer here and we will get glory with Christ in the next life as Jesus' followers. We should expect no easier life than the one that Jesus led. And again Jesus offered the word of God Deuteronomy 6:13 Here Moses warned the Israelites about their attitude Jesus would glorify God in everything even in this
1: verses 9 to 12 And he led him to Jerusalem, and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So we see Satan came to Jesus another time and told him to throw himself off a high building. This was possibly the southeast corner of the temple in Jerusalem, overlooking the Kidron Valley. Satan even used scripture, Psalm 91, 11 through 12 Again, Satan was tempting with fame. Can you imagine a man jumping off a building and being saved by angels? however jesus was not fooled he would not concede to the temptation he would not seek people's approval without the cross he again quoted god's word to satan that's a pretty great example for us first we need to be studying god's word memorizing it and then it's in our hearts and our minds so that when we face temptation, we can follow his example and use the word of God. We also need to know it because Satan tried to use it against Jesus, but Jesus knew it rightly and he was able to answer rightly using scripture the way that God intended it. So, that that be an encouragement, I take it as one that I need to be in God's word, memorizing it having it in my heart so I'm ready because I know that Satan will come and will tempt and I want to be prepared. So Jesus used uh, Deuteronomy 6.16 this time, which is one of the instances where Israel began to doubt if God was with them. Jesus did not doubt that God was there in his situation. And we can have that same assurance. God is with us in all walks of life.
0: Verse 13. When the devil had finished every temptation, he left him until an opportune time. The devil left until a better time to tempt would come. The devil does not give up. He will continue to try to bring you down. It is to his benefit. You are his enemy if you are God's child. When we endure temptations, we glorify God and strengthen our character as Christians. And so the question comes is where do you need to grow? Where is the devil attacking you? And it's important to know that it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You're still Satan's enemy. Satan hates humans. Um, again, we'll study this a lot more when we talk about angels in particular. Um, but how do we win? As, as a Christian, we need to know this is important. The same way that Jesus did. As Grace mentioned, memorize scripture, fight against temptation. Um, Satan cannot stand the word of God because he hates God and everything that has to do with him because God's word is powerful. It makes sense to defeat deception with truth. Another powerful tool is prayer. Talk to God, have him lead you through your temptation. Uh, Another powerful tool is your local church, Uh, brothers and sisters that love you, that will hold you um, accountable and that will hold you and encourage you whenever times are difficult. Yep. Verses
1: 14 to 15. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. So if you compare the Gospel of John with the book of Luke, we see that there are events recorded in John, chapter one, verses 19 through chapter four, verses 45, that were skipped here in this book written by Luke. Luke goes right into Jesus' ministry in Galilee, Now remember, each gospel is written with its own purpose, its own audience, and its own intention. This doesn't make one false or better. It's just written with a different purpose. So we're going to look at what Luke focused on, and that's Jesus' ministry. So we see Jesus returned to Galilee and preached with the Spirit's power. As he preached, news of him spread throughout the cities. The initial response was great. Everyone loved him and said great things about
0: him. Verses 16 and 17. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. Luke then proceeds to record Jesus' visit to Nazareth. It's the only gospel to record it. Jesus returned to his hometown and went to the synagogue to teach. The synagogue is is kind of like a a Jewish church, so to speak, of the back then. Uh, Since he was popular, it was only natural that they would give him the scroll to teach from, and he was given the scroll from Isaiah.
1: So let's see what he studied what he (laughs) used to teach them verses 18 to 21 the spirit of the lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the lord and he closed the book gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing so jesus stood and read from isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. it's a messianic passage and he stopped in the middle of verse 2. this passage told of one who would free captives it alludes to the year of Jubilee, where they were supposed to forgive debts that were owed to them, and to be free from the debts that they owed. Through what Jesus would do, sinners likewise would have their debts forgiven. Captives set free. It was custom for the teacher to stand while he read the scriptures and then to sit. When Jesus sat down, all eyes were on him. He said he was the fulfillment of this scripture. The implication was crystal clear. He was saying that he was the Messiah.
0: Verses 22 and 23. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, no doubt. You will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was then at Capernaum. Do here in your hometown as well. At first, the people were fascinated with the claim. This wonder left them when they began to question Jesus' authority. Wasn't he just the son of Joseph, the boy who grew up here in our town, the Messiah? They wanted him to perform miracles. Jesus kind of assumed this would happen to prove himself. This is what the physician heal yourself um, phrase means, but he refused. 24 to
1: 27. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. But I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, when a great famine came over all the land, and yet Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian." Now, Jesus, sensing the opposition, gave two instances where God gave grace to Gentiles while Israel was in unbelief. The widow of Zarephath, you can read about it in 1 Kings 17, verses 8 through 16, and she was supplied with food, and then Naaman the Syrian, in 2 Kings 5, 1 to 19, he was healed from leprosy. Verses 28 and
0: 29 and 30. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage as they heard these things. And they got up and drove him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill on which their city had been built in order to throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went his way. Jesus spoke of Gentile participation in the kingdom of God and that sent the Jewish people into a rage. They attempted to kill him, but he slipped right through them. One can only imagine that God would help Gentiles and the Jews would be upset about it? They were angry to the point of killing him. I like what Augustine said, they love truth when it enlightens them, but hate truth when it accuses them. Doesn't that apply to many congregations today, perhaps even to some of us? We do not like it when scripture steps on our toes. We like feel-good sermons, but that is not always what we need to hear. We need to get over ourselves and look at the truth no matter if it hurts
1: and verses 31 to 32 and he came to capernaum a city of galilee and he was teaching them on the sabbath and they were amazed at his teaching for his message was with authority so we see jesus went to capernaum a city in the province of galilee now capernaum was home to peter james john and andrew and we will meet two of these disciples soon Jesus taught on the Sabbath, and again, the people were amazed at his teaching. Not only did his message have truth, it had authority. Well, This makes perfect sense to us, and since he wrote those words through the Holy Spirit and the prophets, he knew exactly what they all meant.
0: Verses (laughs) verses 33-37 In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, "'Let us alone! What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God!' But Jesus rebuked him, saying, "'Be quiet, and come out of him!' And when the demon had thrown him down in the midst of the people, he came out of him without doing him any harm. And amazement came upon them all, and they began talking with one another, saying, "'What is this message?' for with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him was spreading into every locality in the surrounding district." To further authenticate his authority, besides his teaching, Jesus healed the person that was possessed with a demon, showing his authority over the demonic realm. The spirit even claimed Jesus was the Holy One of God. Even the demons knew that Jesus was God himself. It was a violation to do work on the Sabbath according to Jewish um, tradition and according to the law too. But as we'll see, the Jews had taken uh, too much liberty with that. Jesus healed a person um, and, and he was free to do this. Jesus freed this man anyway. He could have waited the next day. He could have waited. He could have done it the day before. Um, but this miracle involved teaching something to the Jewish people about the human tradition versus God's truth jesus performed many miracles on sabbaths yet he never sinned the religious leaders hated jesus for doing this but they were saturated in tradition jesus came to fulfill god's law not man's tradition now why is this important how does this speak to us do you have anything that you do for god in quotations that is actually out of tradition or do you live a life that is pleasing to god because you wish to please him can you back up all you do with scripture
1: Verses thirty eight and thirty nine. Then he got up and left the synagogue and entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother in law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him to help her, and standing over her he rebuked the fever, and it left her, and she immediately got up and waited on them. Right after this miracle Jesus left to Simon's Now that's Peter's mother in law's house. There, Jesus showed his authority over sickness, one of the effects of this sin-drenched world. He rebuked the fever and it left. This was an instant healing, with no lingering side effects from the sickness. She even just got up and started serving them. 40-44
0: to 44. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them out to him. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, You are the Son of God! But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak, because they knew him to be the Christ. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him, and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching In the synagogues of Judea. The news spread, and many came to Jesus to be healed. He healed those with sickness and removed demons from those who were possessed. He commanded the demons to shut their mouths because they were revealing who he really was God and Messiah. Now, why was this wrong? Well, Messiah had the connotation of King over all in that time. Uh, This is found in the Bible, but this is the second coming of Jesus. The first coming was to conquer sin and death. Jesus spent most of the night pouring out on these people in Capernaum. When daylight came, he left from the crowds and tried to get away from them. They followed him, but he explained to them that his ministry was not solely in Galilee. He needed to preach the good news to others as well. He was preaching the kingdom of God. This is an important thread woven through the Gospels. What is the kingdom of God? Well, it begins with Jesus. He brought it onto the scene. In the New Testament, it is the beginning of the realization of the promises of God to the world. The kingdom of God does not yet mean territory conquered, but being ruled by God. God gives us the opportunity to be ruled by Him, instead of this world or ourselves. So God's kingdom is both now, it rules over us now, and future, He will come again as the conquering king. Jesus' first coming inaugurated this kingdom, or started it, and it set forth as an option for those who truly seek after God. Though Jesus had compassion on people and healed them, his main ministry was that of preaching and teaching. He left Capernaum and went south to Judea. And this ends chapter 4 of Luke. I hope you enjoyed it.